1: Loved and were loved, loved and we were loved, loved and were loved, and now we lie in Flanders field. Take up our quarrel with the foe, to you from failing hands we throw, the torch to be yours and hold it high, if we break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep though poppies grow in Flanders field in Flanders fields Flanders field in Flanders field in Flanders fields Flanders fields
0: Good morning. My name is Patty Banks, and this is my gift from God for the last 36 years, Brian. And um, we are blessed to be here to be able to not only read the scripture, but um, lift up our troops to you, to the Lord. Um, I was thinking lately about... um, just the tangible ways that we can support our troops. And I was also thinking about all the weapons that they have, and they have many destructive weapons, deadly weapons. But as Christians, we have a greater weapon, and that weapon is prayer. So um, if you guys would all bow your heads and agree with me with this prayer, that would be great. Heavenly Father, Today, we all come before you and ask you to bless the members of our Canadian Armed Forces. Greg and Lisa Lumley's son-in-law, Major Matthew Marcotte, Air Force. Justin and Iris Berman's son, Army. Our daughter-in-law, Corporal Cam Banks, Army. Our son, retired Sergeant Beau Banks, Army. Pastor Larry and Colleen's nephew, Private Dylan Fur. Father God, we ask that you would give them courage, hope, and strength. May they never experience, or may they ever experience your firm support, gentle love, and compassionate healing. Be their power and protector, leading them from darkness to light. We pray for the salvation of those who do not know you as their Lord and Savior. Dear God, we lift up our troops and their families and those around the world who are in the midst of battle. We ask that you would give them courage and strength, protect them from harm, and keep them safe. For those who suffer with PTSD, give them peace in their mind. We thank you for all of our veterans who have faithfully sacrificed their lives in so many ways. We thank you for how blessed we are in this country we live in due to their courage and commitment. And we lift this all up to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.
2: So I'll be reading John 14, 18 to 29. Now I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. (laughs) Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, You will know that I am my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me, and because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them.
0: Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name, said to him, Lord, Why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? And Jesus replied,
2: All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and I will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I'm going away, but I will be back to you again. If you really loved me, you would be happy that I am going to the Father who is greater than I am. I have told you these things before they happen so that when they do happen, you will believe. Amen.
0: Last week, Pastor RJ spoke on I Will Keep You, and this week he's speaking on I Will Love You.
3: Good morning. Um, Can you all stand with me? Um, Pastor RJ asked me to pray, so I'm going to pray. And I would like you all to stand in faith and agree with me. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you, God, that today, in this moment, as Pastor R.J. is bringing the message of hope and the word to our hearts, Lord God, that this specific message, Father, would really get into good ground. Father, I thank you that every single person here is here because of your divine appointment. And I thank you, Lord, that each and every person here allows that seed, opens up their heart to make way and make room for the Lord to make his home in their heart. Lord, I thank you for your great love. Lord, your word says that your perfect love casts out all fear. Lord, I thank you that your word also says That your people would be known by that kind of love. That love of Jesus Christ that casts out all fear. That in turn, when all fear is gone, because the fullness of your love can be felt, Lord God, that we can go out and be the church that you've called us to be. So Father, I thank you that today... Today, Lord God, I thank you that the seed that is getting sown today is going into good ground. Father, I thank you that you give grace to your people. Lord, I just feel like, well, the word also tells us and warns us that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy So, Father, I thank you that the seed today that is sown, Lord God, let your people be sharp. Let your children be wise. Let your children be wise as serpents, as gentle as doves, Lord God, but let them resist because, Father God, that which you've sown today, the enemy desires to swoop in and to steal it and take away that which was sown. So, Father, I thank you that they would fight for the seed that was sown today, that they would not allow the enemy to come in and take it, but that they resist the devil, and he flees in Jesus' name. So I thank you, Father, for the power of your word. And I thank you, Lord, that it's not by might, it's not by the power of man, but it's by your spirit, says the Lord. And where the spirit of the Lord lives, there is freedom. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Stay standing. You can go. Thank you.
4: Okay. Good morning, everyone. I'll let you sit in a minute. I have a joke. It actually fits where I'm going. Okay. And uh I'm going to make fun of a demographic, which I don't like to do, but it kind of fits what I'm talking about. So I would like all the blondes in advance to forgive me for this joke. It's nothing personal. It's just illustrating a point. But there was a a blonde lady on the airplane, and she walked from economy class up to first class, and she planted herself in first class. But she didn't have a ticket for first class. Now, how many of you have tried to sit in first class when you didn't have a ticket for first class? Anyway, the stewardess kind of went back and forth with her, and she basically said, I'm going to New York, and I'm not moving going to LaGuardia. Not moving. This is where I'm sitting. So the stewardess called the uh, co-pilot. He came back and tried to talk to her a little bit, and she was not moving. She was sitting in that chair, and she was going to New York. So the co-pilot was talking to the pilot, saying, hey, we've got a little issue here, and and this lady, and, and the captain said, oh, blonde lady, I'm married to a blonde. I'll take care of this. So the captain walked back, and he whispered in her ear something, and she got up, and she walked back to economy class where her seat was, so when he got back to the front, the he said, look, we tried everything. We threatened her. We were getting ready to call the police to have her arrested. What did you say to her? He said, I simply told her first class was not going to New York. <laughs> now, I'm actually going to connect the dots on this, so don't get too angry. In Romans chapter five, the Bible says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Though someone might be perhaps willing to die for a person who's especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Christ came to die for you while you were still a sinner. And I wrote this down because I didn't want to forget it repentance is what qualifies you to become redeemable. You can't have redemption without repentance. Unless you repent of your sin, you can't receive by faith the forgiveness that Christ has made available to you on the cross. It's a very uh, very short statement, but very deep in a lot of ways. There's some of you in the room today You're sitting in first class saying, I'm not going anywhere because I'm on the pathway to heaven, and I'm here to tell you, if you haven't had repentance in your life and accepted the sacrifice of Christ, that plane is not going where you think it's going to go. You're on the wrong pathway. So, uh, James and Carly, do you guys mind just standing right, right here for me? It's okay, you don't have to say anything to me or anyone. So here's what I wanna explain. Everyone has been called, to, you can turn and face them. Everyone's been called to repent of their sin and turn their life over to God, everyone. And people come even to church, but they don't have relationship with Christ because they're still on the wrong pathway. They haven't entered in with repentance and accepted the sacrifice for their sin that God made available at the cross. But Jesus died in advance while you were still a sinner, When you weren't looking for him, he died in advance and made a way, a pathway for you to come into the kingdom of God through surrendering your life to him. It starts with repentance. In other words, God, I am so sorry for the sin in my life. And then you say, help me, change me, forgive me. And then you turn your life and you start walking in direction with Christ because you don't want to sin anymore. You may fall down, but... The, the, the thing is repentance is what gets us in to redemption. It's the pathway in. So if you're out here today, and you might have been coming out here for a while, and you observe, and you feel pretty good when you listen to the worship, and you feel pretty good when you sit in the service, but you've never really surrendered your life to, you've never repented of your sin. You've never invited Jesus in. You've never asked him to forgive you. You've never asked him to change your heart, and you never got on the pathway to eternal life. The Bible tells us if we confess him before men, he will confess us before the Father. So I wanna give you an opportunity right now at the beginning, come down out of your chair, confess Christ before men, repent of your sin. James is here, Carly's here. They will pray with you. They will lead you to Jesus. They will help you with the prayer of repentance and you too can have a relationship with Jesus. So is there anyone in the room that God is talking to your heart and you know he's talking to you right now? You just need to come down here. Come on down. Well done, ladies. Is there anyone else that needs to join the young lady at the front? Come on down. It's okay. Is there anyone else God's talking to you today? Come on over. It's okay. Come on down. I think there's people all over the room God's talking to today. Come on down. Is there anyone else that needs to be down here today? Okay. Thank you all for being obedient to the command of Christ. These two are going to take you. They're going to pray with you. They're going to pray a prayer of repentance. They're going to introduce you to Jesus, and then they'll bring you back in in a few minutes. Thanks, you guys. You can go ahead and be seated. I want you all to know that Jesus will never stop loving you. He's never going to stop loving us. In Revelation chapter 1, you okay? It's okay, we can, we can take you. Can you guys help me with that? Derek, go ahead. Derek or Michelle, okay. In Revelations chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, this letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come from the sevenfold spirit before his throne and from Jesus Christ. He's the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead and the ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by the shedding of his blood for us. Jesus spilled his blood for you because he loves you so much. And in that, he brought freedom to your life. Freedom from the shame. Freedom from the shackles of sin and addiction and bondage. Freedom from wrong ideas and wrong thinking. Freedom from curse. Jesus produced much freedom in our life. And, and I want to, when we're talking about this, it's, it starts with grace and peace to you to the ones who believe, okay? Grace and peace from Jesus to you as individuals. Now watch, grace is one of the most, I don't know, thrown around words in Christendom today, it seems. It seems that people don't understand grace. It's misunderstood, it's misinterpreted, and simply we talk about grace as God's unmerited favor, but it's so much There's so much depth and richness to that word grace. Like Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10, it tells us what grace, it says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed. That's how salvation happens. God's grace is available. You confess your sin through repentance. You receive forgiveness. And guess what? You believe that Jesus was the sacrifice on the cross for your sin. Because remember, back in the old covenant, they used to kill lambs. And the blood of the lamb was sprinkled on the altar and by faith in that sacrifice, your sin was forgiven. But Jesus, the lamb of God came and once and for all had his blood spilled and it was sprinkled on the altar in the presence of God. And now by faith in his sacrifice, your sins are forgiven. You can't take credit for this. You can never earn your salvation. You'll never be good enough. It's a free gift from God. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, So none of us can boast about it, for we're God's masterpiece. He made each and every one of you a masterpiece. And he created us long ago anew in Christ Jesus. But this is why he gave us his grace. This is why God's grace came to each and every one of us. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Jesus gives you his grace. It's an enablement to live the Christian life, to live as a Christ follower, to live in the nature and the character of Christ. And if you have your Bible with you and you wanna go to Titus chapter two, I'm gonna read 11 to 14 in the Amplified translation. For the remarkable undeserved grace of God, the grace that brings salvation has appeared to all men. In other words, his grace is available to everybody. By accepting the sacrifice of Christ through repentance from dead works, right, and moving on into the things of God. By repentance and accepting his sacrifice, grace comes, salvation appears, it's available to anyone. The only sin that God will not forgive you of is the one you don't confess to him. Some of you have already written yourself off and you feel like you'll never be holy enough. You'll never be good enough. You'll never be able to attain God's standard. You don't think that God wants you because you think you're so horrible. That's not what God's word says. God says his grace is available to you. And if you would just repent of your sin, he'll turn your life around. He'll change you. He'll save you. But this is what grace teaches us. Okay, in verse 12, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared. It teaches us what? Teaches us The grace teaches us to reject ungodliness and worldly, immoral desires, to live sensible, upright, and godly lives, lives with a purpose that reflects spiritual maturity in this present age. It basically teaches us grace, how to live right, how to reject unholy living. And then it goes on and talks about awaiting confidently and expecting the fulfillment of our blessed hope, which is Jesus and his glorious appearing when he comes back again. Okay, and we get to go be with him. That's the hope that we have in Christ, that we can live with him forever. The Bible calls it our blessed hope. What's your blessed hope? That you can spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. Christ Jesus, who willingly gave himself to be crucified on our behalf to redeem us and to purchase our freedom from wickedness. I assure you, the Romans couldn't have put Jesus on that cross if he didn't want to go there. And to purify for himself a chosen and very special people to be his own possession who are enthusiastic for doing what is good. See, grace teaches us to reject ungodly living and unholy living. It teaches us to live upright and godly lives so that we can be enthusiastic about doing good works out of our relationship with Christ. So a good way to balance this, okay, legalism over here where it's all about rules and religion. And some of you grew up with a lot of religion, it was more important to follow the rules than it was to have a relationship with Christ, okay? And, and unfortunately, that is, you tend towards legalism. But on the other side, you know, the, I'm gonna say people take advantage of grace. So how we balance this is, you stay rooted in the love of Christ. Having love, his love, God's love, because he says, I will love you. It's the key to understanding your struggles, your failures, it's the key to living right. It also motivates us to be more like him over time. Because as you're in relationship with Jesus, he reveals his heart to you, the why behind the, the, what he's asking you to do, the why behind the command. And it's out of relationship with him, it's easy to live how he wants us to live. Because when you are aligned with Christ in your heart, he takes the desires in your heart and it's aligned with his commands and then it's easy to go do what he commands us to do. The Bible is very simple in its commands in the New Testament. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Some of you have a hard time loving yourself and you can't ever love your neighbor because you don't love yourself. So how are you gonna love your neighbor as yourself if you don't love yourself? Dun, dun, dun. We love ourselves. We love our neighbor. We love God. And then he says, go and make disciples. Go teach people about Jesus and the message of hope and teach them to go do the same. Go make disciples who make disciples. That's the two commands they give us. Primary two commands. And it all stems from his grace that he's given us to live the Christian life and to do what is good. Now, Jesus... He demonstrates love and action and expects us to do the same. Our key verse that we talked about today from John 14, verse 21, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. So what are you saying, Jesus, that if we don't accept and obey your commandments, do we really love you? Because they love me, the Father will love them and I will love them and I will reveal myself to each of them. See, the love that you develop with Christ In the relationship with Christ, he reveals himself to you. Other words that that gets translated as is he makes holy clear or manifest. He manifests himself. You know, lots of people, they walk around seeking manifestations. Ooh, I want to see a demon. I want to see a ghost. I want to see an angel. I want to see a supernatural being. Ooh. I assure you, if an angel comes from the presence of God, it will change your life and you will be on your face saying, please don't kill me. Have you read about people that encountered angels in the Bible? What is the first thing out of their mouth? Don't be afraid, I'm not here to kill you. You think I'm kidding. Mary, Joseph, others. One guy couldn't talk for months after he saw an angel. He's gonna manifest himself. He's gonna reveal himself to you. He's gonna reveal his heart to you. He's gonna reveal his love to you. He's gonna reveal his character to you, his goodness to you. The Father in heaven loves you, his creation. He made you a masterpiece. He made you exactly who you are. In sin and bad choices in this world had left some dinks and some marks on us. But as we repent and go to the cross, and sit in his presence, Jesus starts cleaning us up. You come as you are, and then he changes your heart from within, and it overflows out. And here, in the next one, John 15, verse nine, I've loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Jesus is saying... I obey what the Father tells me to do when I remain in his love. When you do what I tell you to do, you remain in my love. But if you don't do what Jesus tells you to do, if you don't follow his commands, then you're not remaining in his love. I have told you these things so you will be filled with my joy. And yes, your joy will overflow. How many of you are your joy overflows every day, all day? Even when you're in traffic. (laughs) Even when you're in line across the street. How many of you, then we've got some work to do about remaining in his love because if we're truly remaining in his love, our joy should be overflowing all the time. Yes, your joy will overflow. I've told you these things so you will be filled with joy. What's that? We can remain in his love. Here is his commandment, verse 12. Love each other the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus died on a cross. He paid the ultimate price for us His friends. Some of you have a hard time dying to yourself for the guy sitting next to you or the woman sitting next to you. You have a hard enough time preferring one another, let alone laying down your life. I mean, think about it. How many people in this room would you be willing to die for? I would die for you. And you, Nadia. I think I see Tepharah and Abigail over there too. Absolutely, I would die for my kids, my wife. Wouldn't even think about it. But some of you, I probably wouldn't die for. (laughs) I love you, but I'm just not there. See, we're real here, we're authentic. I'm not gonna lie and say I would. (laughs) I serve you the best I can, and I lay my life down, and I try. Oh, come on, how many of you think that's not so holy of you, preacher. You're supposed to want to die for me. (laughs) Trying here. He says, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Jesus is saying, if you don't follow my commandments, you're not really my friend. If you're not really his friend, did a sacrifice, is it really applicable to your life? Doesn't the Bible say faith without corresponding actions is useless in the book of James? You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because the master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you're my friends. Since I've told you everything the father told me, you didn't choose me. I chose you. You didn't find God. He found you. He died for you. As I read at the very beginning, long before you were created, long before anyone even thought about you. Generations and generations back, he came to planet earth and died for you. In fact, the Bible even says before the foundations of the earth were laid, he made a plan to come and redeem you. To buy you back. Because he knew mankind would fall into sin. I have appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit, so the Father will give you whatever you ask using my name. This is my command, love each other. The truth is, love can be hard. Love can be difficult. And in the culture today, we have all these wacky definitions of love. Just like we have wacky definitions of grace, just like we have wacky definitions of other words. Okay, just because... Someone doesn't know how to properly read the word of God and see what 1 Corinthians says about what love is or see what God says he is love and his character is love. If people can't read his word and see that, then they're coming up with their own ideas. I mean, some of you, your idea of love is a Hallmark movie. <laughs> their eyes met across the room. And time stood still and the snow was softly falling. The violin started playing. And a cat meowed. And the cattle lolled. you know, That must be love. Oh, was that the the marriage pastor saying that's not love? (laughs) God defines love a little differently than the culture does, just like God defines grace a little differently than the culture does. Jesus was an example to us of how to love others. 1 John 4, 7. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God. If you know God out of that relationship, love happens. You're gonna automatically love people. God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, that's us, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one's ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives on us, and his love is brought to a full expression in us. But I want you to think about how Jesus loved people. Because most of you, when you think of Jesus loving people, you see him going and healing the sick and raising the dead and casting out devils and blessing the children Right? Feeding people. But think about it. Jesus loved the religious leaders enough to call them out on their false beliefs and their wrong ideas about God. And they hated him for it. He loved them enough to walk in the temple and make a whip and throw over the money changer's tables. And you say, that's not love. Yes, it was. Because he is love. So everything he did had to be motivated by love. Even his anger was motivated by love. well, that's different than the love that I want. Why would I want to serve a God like that? Trust me, he is love. Your definition of love probably needs to be adjusted to fit God's definition of love. Sometimes love is tough. Sometimes love is hard. It says love is patient. Love is kind. Sure, we can be kind and tough. Didn't, Didn't I tell you earlier? I told you, I don't know that I'd be willing to die for everyone in the room. I was kind about it, but that's a truthful, loving statement. (laughs) Is it not? (laughs) There's not many that would be willing to walk up here and say that. But the truth is, today, we're celebrating Remembrance Day for all the veterans that have gone before us and all the active military and some of the retired ones. Many of them, they walked out and followed the commands of their superiors, not knowing if they were going to live or die. And many have died so that you could have the freedom that we have today, the freedom to assemble like this, okay? And yeah, there's a lot of politics around war, I get it, but the truth is if people didn't die for your freedom, you wouldn't be here today. I assure you. We'd be under a different type of government and we wouldn't have this type of freedom. Nonetheless, let us come to the table. Stand up with me once more. Um, These elements, we finally sourced some good ones here or another another way to get them in because our normal company keeps running out. But I'll, I'll give you a free tip here. If you bend it down till it snaps, you can open it. Okay, if you bend it down till it snaps, it'll open easier. All right, Jesus, as we come to the table today, I thank you that your word says to examine our hearts and look within, that there's no sin in our lives, no act of offense, no unforgiveness. And Lord, as we have the bread in our hands, your body, the body of Christ, it was broken for us. Father, we declare, because you love us, Lord, I thank you that you healed us. You set us free from sickness and disease, that you've restored our minds to wholeness. You've healed our hearts and all the wounds in our hearts. Father, I thank you that because of your brokenness, you made a way for us to be whole. So today, as a family of believers here in Windsor, Ontario, I thank you that as we partake, we release your supernatural power to restore health, life, and strength to our bodies now, in Jesus' name. And as we have the cup in our hand, Father, I thank you for the blood, the blood of Jesus, And Lord, your word tells us to celebrate the death of Christ. This is our covenant meal, it's the memorial meal. And it's a celebration because his death produced freedom for us, his death produced forgiveness for us. So, Father, I thank you that who Jesus has set free is truly free indeed. And in our lives, Lord, remove the shackles. Remove the chains, the bondages, the enslavement of sin and sickness and disease and bring freedom to your people today. Father, even the lie that so many believe that they're unlovable, I break that now in the name of Jesus and let them see the truth from your word that God had a plan for you and loved you long before you were created. And it doesn't matter what you've done, he loves you. So Father, as we invite the sun in, and we invite Jesus into our lives. I thank you that as we partake, we partake in the freedom that only you can give. In the name of Jesus,
5: thank you, Pastor R.J. <laughs> so much easier when you do it the right way. <laughs> Hello, this is on. Oh, okay. Hi, family. Did you know that perfect love casts out fear? When you got born again, the perfect love that made you in his image and likeness moved in. You are a crowd every place you go. you got the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost at your disposal. And that Bible is a book full of letters. We all like getting mail, right, from our mama and our dad and and... Our friends, we like to hear the news. Well, he's given us letters to follow, instructions, the the manual that the manufacturer made, and he doesn't make junk. So he wants you to get filled with his word, which casts out fear, and then you're able to walk in love and instant forgiveness. The, The Lord has been dealing with me for a while now about love. Love is power. But a lot of times we say, oh, don't you love that car? I love that pizza. Well, you're supposed to like things. He gives us things to enjoy, but we're to love people. And that makes power, gives it the right magnitude rather than pizza. What's there to love about pizza? You gotta heat it up in 20 minutes if you want more. But anyway, you are equipped. The Holy Spirit has given you the divine love of God and the ability to walk in love and forgiveness. And what the world needs now is love, sweet love. That's the only thing. There's just too little love. Take that message and go and love on the the darkness and it will flee. Windsor Christian Fellowship, you have been equipped. Now go.